0: Perfect. Thank you, brother. Well, praise God. It's good to see you all today. If you want to get your Bibles out to Luke chapter one, verses twenty six to thirty eight, and I've called the title of the sermon um, "The Immaculate Word," because Jesus was sinless, and He is the Word of God. And I going to be talking about the birth of Jesus foretold, and the annunciation of Jesus's birth by the angel Gabriel. And I want to propose that this text is going to bring us comfort and security because. We're going to see fulfilment of God's promises to David and um, regarding Jesus and the, the Messiah. And we're going to look at a bit of history, some views regarding the conception of um, of Jesus and, and Mary and look a little bit about what people have said in the past and what, what was the overshadowing. Let's look into little things like that. But to end, it's going to be how Mary's um, example can really spur us on to have Um, more trust and reliance on God because the things that I'm going to go through shows just how much faith she had in in adversity and when everything was against her. And so um, let's read the word together now. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man. whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled and said, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest or the Most High. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be? Seeing I do not know a man or that I am a virgin. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon you and the power of the Most High shall overshadow you. Therefore also, that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her. who he was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the, handmaiden, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word, and then the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. And so, the six month that it's talking about is when um, six months since John the Baptist um, came on the scene. And so, apart from um, Michael the archangel, uh, we only we only see uh, another angel that's named. It's Gabriel, and his name means warrior of God. And I think that's a powerful thing to think about just for a minute, is that there's, there's there's warfare going on in the spiritual realm. And his name is Warrior of God. And so Gabriel's ministry is one that stands in the presence of God, and to him alone are given the messages concerning the kingdom of God. In the book of Daniel it was about the kingdom of God to come, and to Mary about her son Jesus. So if anything if there's anything prophetic involved, Gabriel is the the angel that God uses to bring forth his messages to his people, and the gravity of this message that the Son of God is going to be born in a town called Nazareth is quite an interesting thing <laughs> such a intense message comes from a town that has you know a lot of negative connotation to it. We see in matthew two hundred twenty three that Nazareth was um, almost like a derogatory term and he says nathaniel said can anything good come from nazareth can anything good come from there and philip said come and see and in the same way that this message comes to a town that is perceived to be insignificant actually the most important thing like you just mentioned in the catechism is that our life is to glorify god and enjoy him and it's the most important message that comes um, to the world. And some people view the gospel like that, don't they? It's an insignificant message, but it has the most you know, dire of consequences if rejected. And the lost see this, the message of the gospel in the same way. And we've all heard something when we shared our faith, potentially. You know nothing good can come from this message that you're preaching Uh, it's absolute nonsense or the only good that you're doing is brainwashing people we may have had something like that when we shared our faith but Jesus is the only person that can actually say that what good can come from planet earth it's sin stained there's nothing good that can come from it only God is good and that's why Jesus came wasn't it to bring his goodness into the world that was dead in sins and had no hope without him. And so we see that in verse 27 that Mary was betrothed to Joseph and she has legal status with him and the word of God doesn't um, give us a lot to go on in terms of marriage. It's just, it's kind of very um, hard for us to identify exactly how to get married, you know. Paul says if you burn with lust you should marry but he doesn't tell us how to actually get married. But we see in Deuteronomy 22 that the Jewish marriage process is a two-part thing and it's a two-part system. And Deuteronomy 22, 23-24 says if there is a betrothed virgin and a man meets her in the city and lies with her then she'll bring them both out of the gate in that city and you shall stone them to death because the young woman did not cry for help. So she was inside the city and the man because he violated his neighbour's wife so you shall purge the evil from your midst now it's interesting that the text doesn't say um, that he violated his neighbour's fiance it was wife and so the first stage was um, an engagement and legally the woman now belonged to the man but it was without the um, ceremony itself to confirm that betrothal and it was actually common for um, them to not have any sexual relations during um, a betrothal. And this ties into Matthew's account as well as you look at the Harmony of the Gospels that Matthew was, uh, in Matthew's account, it says that Joseph was considering to divorce her for fears of unfaithfulness. And so the Jewish betrothal must be considered you know, binding in marriage, but the ceremony confirms that in a way, because you can't divorce someone who's not yours, right? And uh, Matthew 1, 25 says, Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And this is like speculation, but there could be a possibility that Joseph and Mary had the ceremony to confirm the betrothal because, you know, if they started seeing her, her bump get a bit bigger, they would be making accusations there would be, um, which I'm going to touch on, there's going to be very dire consequences if she was actually found to be with child. And so Gabriel then says, you are to give him the name Jesus. And Matthew's account tells us a little bit extra. Luke just says, give him the name Jesus, but Matthew says, give him the name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And as I mentioned earlier, Gabriel's ministry is one that administers um, God's redemptive plan through prophecy. And his first words to Mary is that, um, greetings. And that's where we get that classic um, Catholic song called Ave Maria, greetings Mary. And we get that from the Latin Vulgate. And she was greatly troubled at the saying of what he what he shared with her. And at the end of the sermon, I'm going to explain just why she was troubled, but it ties in nicely at the end. And I think we'd be pretty troubled if an angel came into our room and told us uh, an intense situation is going to come upon our lives. We could only um, assume that we'd act in the same way. you know. Um, and it says that you found favour with God. And the favour of God is the freely bestowed grace, that she was simply chosen to be the mother of the Messiah, nothing else. There's nothing in the text around it, beside it, underneath it, on top of it, that implies she was sinless, as Catholics um, believe. And we see in Luke 147, actually Mary was a humble sinner, wasn't she? She says, my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Saviour. You can't can't say that God is your saviour unless you need saving. (laughs) So that simple verse helps us see that she was a very humble sinner and she knew her condition before God. And what's amazing is as, as she bore Christ in her body, we bear him, as Graham mentioned, Colossians, which I've actually put in my sermon, which is amazing, as I revised it a little bit last night. So the Lord is confirming that in the same way she bore him, had him in her body we have him as well through the spirit don't we and actually we are blessed and highly favoured to have salvation <laughs> and Colossians 1.27 to those God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you the hope of glory And the Greek word for favoured means to honour with blessings. And as I spoke in my last sermon, through the Abrahamic covenant, if we're saved in Christ, if we've accepted Christ as our Lord and we've been born again, we've received the highest favour and blessing of God right now to be called his children through his covenant. So it's a powerful thing that we today in Christ are highly favoured. In what he's done for us and, what, and that we trusted in that with all of our hearts and gabriel gives a bit of a hebrew word play here to mary as we know the root word for yeshua is savior um, to save is yoshiah so he's saying call him yeshua for he will yoshiah his people from his sins there's a little bit of a word play going on and so because he's Announce now that he will save from sins. The foundational meaning of his name and the purpose of his incarnation has been announced to us, to save from sins. So do not shy away, uh, church, from talking about sin in evangelism, in a winsome Christ-like way. Jesus said repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He would have said it with gentleness. He wouldn't have shouted it but he did say repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. So don't shy away from talking about that because when um, Graham spoke brilliantly a few sermons ago about when you do not give someone the law as a mirror, um, you're actually depriving them of what their conscience does, testifies with truth and testifies to the law of God. But we do it in, in a lovely way. In a, you know, we've, we've Christ-like, yeah, manner and with tears in our eyes we talk about sin with with tears in our eyes you know not shouting and condemning but if you do not share about sin in that christ-like manner you're actually not representing the reason for why he came and you're also not representing what his name means and yes jesus loves you but that on its own is not enough it's jesus loves you in that he died on the cross for your sins. And the Bible says that um, he who knew no sin became sin for us. And God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The love of God is in an action. And I just want to encourage you that, you know, we don't have to be expositors and theologians to share the gospel. If you've only got a few seconds with someone, Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for your sins. Trust in him. That's enough. That's the gospel in a nutshell. If you don't have the time to expound on it, then he loves you, but because he died on the cross. And in that way, you represent his name well. I wanted to share a testimony about that, actually, which was very powerful. Um, During lockdown, when we were allowed to do our exercise, I felt God said. I want you to exercise your lips for me and help people. That um, are very, very down at the moment, very, you know, um, fearful and suicidal, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And a lady we were, we were talking to, um, we gave the law of God. You know, we, we shared that law. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and it's, it's all well and good saying that you're a sinner, but you need to substantiate how you've sinned, and the law is perfect for that. And she was mocking and jesting, and uh, you know, I said have you like desired someone's wife that is not yours or husband that's not yours have you lusted or coveted after them and she's like yeah idris elba is really attractive he's really you know um yeah i would spend the night with him basically you know in a tone like that and we felt the liberty like in the spirit to just ignore that and we just carried on we focused our attention to a friend who was maybe a bit more receptive and her countenance just changed like that. I have never seen the Holy Spirit convict someone with the fear of God. This is my fa- my uh, my only testimony that I don't. will take a long time for that to surpass in terms of how powerful it was. We didn't say anything. We didn't condemn or say, "Oh, you shouldn't be saying," you know, "you shouldn't be mocking." Or we let God do the talking. And her countenance completely changed, like. The fear of God came over her. The fear of God. The law isn't something to mock and laugh at. But the Holy Spirit did something on her heart. And then it got to the point where she realised that sin is not funny and trivial. That she said, this is too intense, I need to end this conversation. And I was like, please don't. We've diagnosed the condition and now we're giving you the cure. Christ is the cure. And we just, you know, lavished her with the scriptures, John 3:16. That's when we just hit her with the love of God and the scriptures of the love, because now she knows that she can comprehend the grace of God, um because she's, you know, broken the laws of God. And that was so amazing to, to, you know, witness. And she snatched the John's Gospel off me as quick as I've ever had anyone take one off me in my life. So praise God. So, you know, share about sin because that's His name uh, to save us from sins and that's the reason that he came. So, Gabriel is actually telling Mary, read 1 Chronicles seventeen eleven, where I told David, I'm going to um, raise up a fulfiller of the Davidic covenant. So he's saying, in essence, Mary, get, get the Old Testament out, and if you haven't already read it, but I'm sure she knew the word of God very well, but in essence he was saying, go back to 1 Chronicles 17, verses 11, which says, Moreover, I declare to you that the Lord will build you a house when your days are fulfilled to walk with your fathers. I will raise up your offspring after you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. I will not take my steadfast love from him as I took it from him who was before you. But i will confirm him in my house and in my kingdom forever and his throne shall be established forever so this is god uh, telling david this is what i'm going to do through your line and so in all four aspects here jesus fulfills them all an eternal throne an eternal dynasty because the house of david is now eternal because christ is the last king He's not going to die, is he? So he's the last person. Eternal house, eternal kingdom. When Jesus um, comes again and with the sword of his mouth uh, and destroys all people surrounding Israel that are trying to um, destroy God's people. After the millennial, God is going to tabernacle amongst us, isn't he, in the new heavens and the new earth. So this eternal kingdom, Jesus is going to fulfill that later on as well. And an eternal descendant because Christ is unending <laughs> no one can, can can succeed him can they and so praise god yeah so one Chronicles 17 as i read that you know the holy spirit really touched me the other night as i was studying i was just weeping as i read it so i think that's definite you know god is like put that in the in the sermon but yeah read one Chronicles 17 in your own time and just see that this is what gabriel is saying to mary It's reminding her of the promise of god through david And Mary has an interesting question, doesn't she? She says, how will this be? She says, how will this be? Zechariah, when speaking to Gabriel, said, how can this be? You know, will um, employs faith. She showed that she had faith and a certainty, but didn't know how it was going to happen. She trusted, but how? (laughs) Right? Zechariah said, how can it be? And do we have this attitude as well when if we believe that God's calling us to do something, do we, do we say, "How will this happen, Lord, or do we put um, make excuses potentially or trivialize um, the call on our life and and how it can't be done um, and Mary didn't challenge the words of God, did she, through Gabriel, not once and She had complete faith and assurance it was going to happen but wanted to know how specifically because she said that she was a virgin. And I want us to to act in that similar manner really and trust that and believe in what God is calling us to do in the day to day or the broader scope of the mission that we've all got and that he's placed us on individually. Let us all be like that and say, like Jesus said, let your will be done. I don't know how it's going to look, I don't know what it's, going to, what it's going to look like, but if you've said it, it's going to happen, but I want help in knowing how. <laughs> you know, so praise God. You know, maybe something along the lines of, you know, I can't do public speaking, I get nervous talking to people, what will others think of me is a, is a, is a big one. How will, it, how will this be? I know you call me to do it, but these are the things that I think are a limitation on my life and these these self limitations ought to be confronted with what with what Gabriel responded to her with and say and said nothing is impossible with God because if he has called you to do it, it's going to happen eventually God's not double minded it's going to happen for nothing is impossible. You should tell yourself that whenever those those uh the flesh comes in and says. What about this 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 and this well if god said it trust that it's going to happen and a little bit of interesting um about the overshadowing this might be a bit hefty but bear with me if you can it's there's a lot in the you know views of that and how and how we can potentially know what actually happened but again we, we are talking about one of the most important miracles because if Jesus didn't, wasn't born he couldn't die for our sins so it's very important but I'm not going to try and pretend that I know everything about this right because that would just be very prideful indeed but we see a little bit of uh, from the Bible about what overshadowing is and Jesus at his transfiguration it says the cloud overshadowed them and one of my favourite ones is that the cherubim in the tabernacle, the golden cherubim with the wings that had to connect to each other, um, they faced one another and their wings touched, which cast a shadow at the bottom of the tabernacle where the Shekinah glory dwelt. So God was, the presence of God, the, the physical presence of God was in the middle of yeah, the Holy of Holies. And it cast a shadow underneath it. But first I think we need to dispel the misconception that um, the virgin birth um, was only necessary um, through the woman to keep the Messiah from inheriting sin, sin nature. But what does David teach in Psalm 51 verse 5? In sin did my mother conceive me. right? So it's actually transmitted through through both the seed. And so, a common um, perspective is what happened in the overshadowing is that the Holy Spirit supernaturally created an egg and implanted it into Mary's womb. May sound reasonable, may sound fair enough, but there's actually quite a detrimental problem with that because Mary would be a surrogate mother and not a literal mother. That's quite a big problem. And then also, even more um, detrimental, is Jesus wouldn't be a biological descendant of David. And if if he's not, then Chronicles is not true. (laughs) Right? So this is why I believe that that, I I don't subscribe to that in a sense, that the Holy Spirit put an egg into her. Because Jesus has to be um, a descendant all, all the way back to genesis three fifteen, with the seed of the woman and that he would come through the messiah through that seed line and so again yeah, trying to explain something so supernatural is, is difficult that when I, I pray to god and i said lord help me to understand a little bit about the overshadowing and i believe that this can work, but again, it's it's something to test and, and for you to look into as well, because, as I say, it's a very intense situation that's happened. So the framework that we need to focus on is, as I say, Jesus needs to be a biological descendant of Joseph, Mary, David, Judah, Jacob, Abraham, and Genesis 3.15, Mary, oh, Eve. And so did the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit potentially um, cleanse Mary of her bodily sin, remember we're a two part being aren't we, well three, there's a debate whether we're a trichotomy or a dichotomy a three part being or a two part being but to keep it simple um, we're a spirit and a body, right, we all know that, and it's our spirit that's dead in sins and trespasses Uh, that, that what she's born of the flesh is flesh that's what was born of the spirit is spirit. So the spirit man needs to be born again. So Mary can still maintain a sinful, um, original sin by having just her body potentially cleansed of sin. Does that make sense? And this view, yeah, this holds to her still having her sinfulness because we, well, I don't believe, but that Mary was sinless, right? And so with that, it's, we see that Catholics and even early church Protestants kind of subscribe to her sinlessness, but because they, they ask the question that can, if, there, if the son of God who is sinless, that must mean the mother had to be sinless. But I believe the overshadowing um, of the Holy Spirit Cleanse her body that she was able to produce her natural biological egg from Adam and all the way from you know her genetics all the way down to Judah and beyond, and that that egg that God chose to use was protected from every, from sin that 's something I could consider, but again it's very um, it 's it's a very deep topic, but we know that Mary was not sinless and um Mary's response, she says, May it be to me as you have said. Isn't that amazing? You know? And we're going to go into why um, she said that she was fearful at what he said. May it be to you have said. We have complete surrender and submission to the will of God from Mary here. It's powerful. We see in a similar way that her son would end up doing the same thing in Gethsemane. Not my will, but your will be done. It's like that. The mother is similar in the way that she did that as well. And Jesus ended up doing the exact same thing, but wording it differently. And she had incredible faith for these three reasons, just to conclude now. And also, when she acted in this faith, she conquered three fears that are common to man, mankind. She trusts god that she would not be stoned because allegedly that um lapidation stoning was a capital punishment under mosaic law so she trusts god that she's not going to be stoned to death and in that trusting god she renounces the fear of death so in so what is powerful she's she's showing faith and defiance of fear and I want to ask us if we're in that situation where you knew your life was on the line if you were exposed or found out would you renounce that fear and trust God? it's challenging isn't it? you know when we think about the persecuted church the church martyrs over the centuries that literally did just what she did trusted God renounced the fear of death and trusted in God, no matter what the outcome, I think that is powerful, <laughs> and challenges me. Like when I preach sometimes, you know, I say that Jesus, the love of God is demonstrated, and that Jesus laid down his life for his friends. And I ask the people, would you lay your life down for your friends, for your mother, for even your family? And I, said, and I say in humility when I'm preaching, I don't even know if I could, <laughs> I'm being honest. But praise God that Jesus did. <laughs> lay his life down and didn't have any doubts about it and did what he needed to do for us. So, yeah, so she renounces the fear of death and um, trust in God and that she would not be stoned. She trusts God with the reaction of the community. Let's say if they did find grace for her that she wouldn't be stoned and they, they didn't decide to do that, she would be expelled from her community, ostracized from her um, you know, social circle so in that she renounced the fear of man didn't she and Proverbs says the fear of man brings a snare and so she trusts god that no matter what's going to happen you're going to help me and a pastor from charlotte's church aaron um he has planted lots of churches one in pakistan and the pastor in pakistan gets beaten in every single town that he goes to praise god because he, the way he keeps going and going and going He's just incredible. Beaten up, next time he's like the real-life Apostle Paul, you know. Next time beaten, next time beaten. I'm still going to keep going. The fear of man is not going to come on me. That's the attitude he's got. It's so powerful. When he shared that, it's like we don't have a little, We don't have a glimpse of like persecution here. And so with that, that should spur us to share the word more. In such a blessed. You know, opportunity to not have you know, these things come against us like it does in other countries and she also trusts God to reach out to Joseph and reassure him that she's not been unfaithful right and so she then renounced any fears of rejection that Joseph would not accept her anymore for what's happened and as we know following God means that we're actually going to be rejected by the world aren't we despised by the world but be of good cheer, because he's overcome the world. And so, let's just stand and pray, and just as I finish, and um, she gave herself completely to God, and trusted that he would work out, all of these intense, stressful, highly pressured, situations, that were in her life. And so, Lord we just pray, this, this afternoon God, and we thank you for, um, for this word today, I just pray that Lord, we'd be about to reflect. And if we haven't given ourselves completely to you in, in our individual situations that may have been as stressful as Mary's potentially, and that what seems very difficult, I pray that we could just trust as she trusted when she, she had all these lists of anxieties in her life that she squashed immediately by trusting in God. So let the Holy Spirit illuminate to us now things that we need to give over to him. And how is our surrender and our reliance upon God? Is it God plus me? Is it a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of me? But Lord, we say, have your way. And let us say as Jesus' mother did, may it be to me, as you have said in Jesus' name, amen.